Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, waterwaystravel.com is with us today. Yeah, well, what a great time to bring up waterways because with so much swell in the water on all sides of the globe, it's a perfect time to pull a surf trip out of your back pocket. And you know what? Here's an interesting thing. Super stealthy surf trip with waterways is go to the Southern Hemisphere right now. Like everyone's thinking North Pacific, North Atlantic, which makes sense. It's huge and pumping. The perfect time. To pull a Southern Hemisphere South Swell trip somewhere random. No, won't be anyone there. Well, I don't know if this is the spot, but because I was doing the Felipe Pomar interview last week, uh, Chakama came up in conversation because he was talking about having, uh, when it was discovered, he didn't discover it, but a buddy of his discovered it. And I was like, man, that's a wave I haven't really heard about in a long time. Or I haven't even thought about in a long time, but it was like on the front of my mind for the first 10 years of knowing about surfing because it was just in vogue at that time. Um, so I was looking it up. And of course, Waterways has a resort there that they partner with. I want to go. That's where I want to go. Yeah, you're you're right. You know, first of all, as regular foots, Chicama is not the first place we think about. Second of all, the water's cold. So it's kind of, mm, okay, another reason to maybe think about somewhere else. But you're absolutely right. I mean, what a perfect left-hander. And again, this is the season to kind of think off the radar, you know, like go off season if there's a south swell. And that's what I'm getting at is that there are some smaller southerly swells still being generated. Yeah, I don't know the right time of year, but waterways for every, uh, for Chicama specifically, but on Waterways website for every uh, destination, 
that they offer, there is that information. It tells you exactly when to go, what to bring, all that sort of stuff. And then of course, once you're in contact with them, they will give you even further information. But the Chicama setup was not expensive at the resort. It's right there on, uh, it's kind of like a hill that goes up into a desert that comes right down onto the beach. So they're up on the hill with an infinity pool. They have rooms that overlook the spot. That point is 2.5 miles long. So apparently there's stories of people having connected the ride from the top of the point all the way through the bottom. But I don't know that that happens regularly, but you can certainly get, you know, rides that are multiple a minute or two long or something like that with regularity. So I'm keen. Yeah. That's a good call. Chicama, check out waterways, um, waterways.com. Waterways travel.com for all your travel needs. And then real water sports. We were talking about uh, that surfboard giveaway. And I mentioned that Jeremy Meichler from Pacific Pacifica one, which is in Northern California. Guess what board he picked? Well, considering what's happening, I'm hoping he picked the Padillac by Pizel. <laughs> It's not far from it. He picked a Christensen Navitimer. What 11, is that, 11 footer? It's an 11 footer paddle surf thing. Um, right. Yeah. So, Jeremy. and Jeremy sent me uh, his quiver actually to Trip and I. He sent an outline of the boards that he actually currently has. And it was hard to find a gap in his quiver. It's like, dude, the guy listens to our shows, buys boards from a lot of the people that we interview and talk to. And uh, it's a very impressive and enviable quiver, but a lot of people don't toy with that glider range and they really should. It was kind of nice to see like, because it's expensive, I think a lot of people just don't pull the trigger and they don't see how it fits. But once you open up your mind, once you have a board like that in your quiver, it opens up your mind to waves that you would never have even looked twice at before, you know? Yeah. And how big did he go to Jeremy go? 11 foot. Love it. Well, good for him, man. I know. And you know what? If you're a listener now and you're wondering how Jeremy won, David, why don't you tell him what's the deal here? Well, we do these surfboard giveaways for our supporters. Um, You could support for five bucks a month. It's the foundation of our business. Obviously, we have advertising as well. Um, But over the years, advertising is not, you know, it's inconsistent. And so having kind of a monthly recurring revenue that we can depend on is how we structure the business. It's by the way, how we archive all of these episodes. There's hard costs involved with all of that. So having this stuff available for posterity, I think is important. There you go. Scott's got his real water sports shirt on right now. So we partnered with, we partnered with real to give away a surfboard, but um, the other thing is so real water sports, there's a lot of retailers who carry 56, you know, five, eight to six fours in their, on their retail space, because that's ultimately what sells and they need to turn that over to justify that. But real water sports is carrying stuff like this. So in addition to the six fours, but they have a little bit of everything and they're just fans, of course, of surfboards and they support so many great shapers like Christensen. So go on there and uh, peruse, fantasize, consider getting a Christensen Navitimer. They're a really, really great resource for all of it. Absolutely. Real Water Sports. It's the one-stop shop for everything you need for your online surf gear. Realwatersports.com. 
some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. It's an elongated yeah, guy, because, oh my, David, we've got a lot of news today on this beautiful Tuesday, January 10th. And of course, David, as you know, tomorrow, January 11th, I think this is the lead. Why don't you start us off? The Eddie has been greenlit. The Eddie will go. Green lit as opposed to green lighted, which is probably what the way I would have phrased it. So we've got is either green. is either wrong? I feel like both work. I think green lit sounds more lit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, I. So the question for you that I have is: Is there any event on the planet that you would be more excited to watch? I'm. I don't think so. I mean, maybe the Pipeline Masters or the Pipe, the Billabong Pipe Pro, those are the two that kind of come to mind. But of course, a lot of it just depends on the swell. And that's the thing about the Eddy is that they don't hold it unless the swell is going to be massive. So it's been um, eight years since the last Eddy. Yeah. So the, the Eddy I cow, David, it's on. I know you're excited. As you mentioned, I'm excited. We're going to watch it. I'm I would urge the listeners to sort of temper their expectations regarding the broadcast and just maybe, you know, um, I, I don't think it's going to be, I, I could be wrong, but my gut feeling is it might not be quite as uh, polished as what we're used to from the WSL, but the uh, Eddie Cal folks are putting on a, I'm just stoked that it's on. I was kind of going, gosh, is it even going to be webcast? And you can watch it at, um let's see i have it written the eddie the eddie.com yeah you'll be able to watch it why don't you start us by giving a listeners an overview of what the eddie is and why it's important and prestigious well uh eddie icow is the first lifeguard on the north shore um and the foundation um and history suggests that he saved more than 500 people in his career now, the Hokulaea, Hokulaea, and I apologize if I'm butchering that Hawaiian word, but it was a voyaging canoe that Eddie was a crew member on, which capsized in 1978 off the coast of Lanai, and uh, Eddie was never seen again. Apparently, as the legend goes, he grabbed his surfboard. Um, the, the boat was floundering in a storm. They weren't going anywhere, and Eddie, being the lifeguard, um, and the, the guy that was into uh, that he was, he jumped on his big red board and, and headed off to paddle for help and was never seen again. Of course, they uh, recovered his board, I believe, a few days later. And um, and the, the Eddie, uh, Eddie Icao is an absolute legend. He was this uh, apparently this very soft-spoken, um, you know, heroic Waimea Bay lifeguard, the first lifeguard at Waimea Bay. I mean, this was the guy back in the day that would swim out there with fins on and be, you know, helping you out when you needed it. Now, of course, today, life savings changed dramatically, but uh, the legend of Eddie and the fact that Eddie would go uh, lives on through this contest and through the ICAO Foundation. And um, it's, uh, I, we're so excited, David and I, that, that this event's happening because 
you know, to me, it's like, look, a lot of events have gone by the wayside, you know, even the, the pipeline masters were like, mm, you know, it was fun, but, you know, and of course the Duke Anamoku Invitational is no longer with us. And frankly, this one had a put, had the potential of sort of getting lost in the, the dust of politics and permits and stuff. And so um, again, I'll speak for David when I say, gosh, talk about an exciting time, you know, like tomorrow must watch TV. If you have the opportunity to, um, you know, to view this event, you're going to want to do it. Yeah. uh, They're continuing with what Scott said to create kind of the context of understanding for why this event is prestigious and important. Um, There's still ICAO family members, of course, in Hawaii, his brother Clyde won this event in the second iteration when it ran in 1966 and 67. No, 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 86. I'm sorry, 86, 86. I think it actually ran in December of 86. So uh, Clyde was 30 years old at that time. So that was, and Clyde, by the way, competed in this event. I think the last time it ran in 2016, he was like 61, 62, and he's riding a single fin. Um, So really important legacy there. Kind of talking about the politics of why the event might or might not continue was Quicksilver got involved with the event and ran it very successfully for a lot of the years that it's uh, run. Again, like Scott said, it doesn't run every year. It only runs, of course, Waimea doesn't always break. It requires a massive swell in order to break. And um, and then even if it does break during the wintertime, it's not necessarily big enough to run the event. So the event is kind of always on hold They do an opening ceremony every winter, and then the event is kind of on hold, wait and see. And ultimately, it only has run, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times over the course of 30 years, essentially. So um, once every three years, I suppose. But Quicksilver's involvement seemed to be a really good thing for everybody. In order to run an event, it requires not certainly a lot of money. Um, but also an organizational infrastructure that you don't just figure out after one year and you don't figure it out on the fly. And so I think Quicksilver's involvement allowed a lot of that infrastructure for the event to run successfully. So we were wondering, Quicksilver ultimately is no longer involved. And we were wondering for the last couple of years, you know, are the people involved, do they have enough organizational ability to pull it off. You need permits, you need, you know, there's a lot of expense in terms of traffic flow, staffing, all this sort of stuff. And ultimately it's phenomenal that they figured it out. I went to their website. The website is very well organized. It has all the information we need. It seems like they're really um, leveled up professionally. And again, like you said, I don't know how the broadcast is going to be, but what I found is oftentimes when you get rid of the, I don't know, um, the corporation, let's say, it becomes a lot more enjoyable. There's so much red tape with the corporation of what you can't say and how you want to be presented that I feel like sometimes the grassroots thing is more entertaining as long as you can keep the stream active and you have enough cameras to capture all the action, essentially. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I agree with you. I sense um, for whatever reason that anything that that you know does go wrong or there's just this homegrown vibe to this event again and it doesn't have that like you know that sort of corporate drapery that sometimes 
was put on the Quicksilver event through merch sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's funny because I was on the site this morning as well, and I was looking at the pictures of the of the um, opening ceremonies, and it just had a feeling of of more like Icao Ohana vibe. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It wasn't like there was all these Quicksilver execs there vying for position, and you know what I mean? It was it was pretty groovy, and and I th- and the event's going to be. A- exciting david because one the swell is going to be huge like it this storm this low pressure formed very close to the hawaiian island chain relative to others um so i'm anticipating pretty massive waimea bay but on top of that and one of the reasons i'm kind of in a weird way excited is there's going to be bad winds and when I say bad winds, I mean, there's going to be north, northeasterly winds, and they're going to be strong. And um, they know this going in, right? Um, I mean, you can surf Waimea on a northeast wind because it's kind of got a little bit of a shelter. They're outside, you'll see massive white water uh, and white caps. But it's going to be, and I don't want to say, well, I will say it's going to be a rather ugly eddy in terms of what the photogenic quality is going to be but there's going to be so much bump and chunk and frankly the difficulty that these competitors and these surfers are going to face is going to be interesting to me Uh, it's going to be you know like when you see remember that there's some stuff on youtube i know you remember a few years ago when um it was who was the who's the goofy foot uh mark healy and some other guys caught one of the biggest closeout waves ever. And it had that big northeast wind kind of chunk and bump into the swell. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And I like that. I like the fact that there's extra, um, that the surfers are going to have to be critical and that the very best surfers are going to have to negotiate some of this chunk and this bump and this wind, as well as 30 to 35 feet of wave face. So from that standpoint, I'm kind of excited. I know it's not perfectly blue and offshore and you know beautiful but it's going to be mean and raw and kind of like you know what at the end of the day guess what david eddie would go yeah well can i tell you why this event is so great please you alluded to it with all of that but it's great because the central tenet is the ocean itself and this is the this is the core of surfing full stop And so, so much of competitive surfing that you and I discuss year in and year out, the central tenant is not the ocean. And that's really the gist of all of our frustrations. And, you know, the most extreme version of it is the wave pool when there's a WSL event in the wave pool. And we're trying to connect that to our surf experience. And it's just, it's not the same thing. And so the fact that this is all centered around the ocean, it actually, the surfers are secondary. The surfers in the water, there's more of a camaraderie with each other than there is competition against one another. Camaraderie because they're a very select group who got invited. This is an invitational. And they got invited based on their big wave prowess and what they've accomplished in the ba- in the past not necessarily competitively, but just accomplished in the ocean with, you know, uh, against mother nature, essentially. So, and that's plays into what you're talking about, about the unruliness. 
I agree with you. It's more exciting that Waimea is not a perfect wave and that the conditions for tomorrow have, you know, 50 foot swell on the horizon and a little bit of wind because Matt, we see Jaws as a kind of run in similar size surf, but it's a perfectly reeling barrel oftentimes. And it's also very exciting for its own reasons, but it's not quite as exciting as this, you know, this for whatever reason, seeing the last time it ran in 2016, it also had some unruly quality to it. And it also has closeouts that come through that close out the entire bay. So at Piahi, you see that perfectly reeling reef and you know there's a channel where the boats are sitting, everybody's safe, and it gives you a false sense of security. I know it's not secure, it's false, but it still just looks a little bit, you know, like, oh, you could just sit on the boat and watch. Why, Amaya? There's nowhere safe. There's full closeouts. Remember the jet skis getting plowed in that last time they ran and seeing Mason kind of like charging on the closeout and everybody else is, is a pure pandemonium. That's exciting. There's nothing else on the planet that has that. That is what we should be trying to capture whenever surf competition is run. That's it. That's all. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And, and that's why it's exciting. Uh, it's just... Waimea has all of those things. It has an atmosphere uh, or a um, sort of like a, a gladiator vibe within that little arena there uh, in the bay. And of course, you've got the entire North Shore community focusing. It's more accessible than Jaws. Jaws is kind of, you know, if you're lucky, you can get past the gates and get onto the cliff and watch it or you're in a boat. But, you know, you've got the entire um, island of Oahu sort of focused on it. And um all of these things that you mentioned, you know, you get to see the sets marching down from, you know, outside log cabins and you're like, wow, you know, here it comes, you know, and so there's this big buildup and of course there's the boil and taking off behind the boil and there's actually the opportunity occasionally at certain tides and whatever to, to pull up into sort of a very high almondy tube and potentially get the gnarliest chandelier breaking on your back of your life and maybe escaping down to the bottom. I mean, these things happen. It's not perfect, but the rawness of it all, um, it sort of speaks to who Eddie was. You know, he was just raw. He, Eddie was surf stoked. You know, I mean, there's plenty of great movies and stuff on the life of Eddie. I can I would urge you to check them out. There's uh, a 30, 30 for 30, I think, was the best kind of concise, impactful uh, version of it. Absolutely. The 30 for 30 on Eddie is in, insanely good. And, um, you know, David, there um, in this field, as you mentioned, it's an invitational. There are four past champions. I'm wondering if you can name those for me. Without well, <laughs> unfortunately, I already have my notes up, um, okay. so I can't lie to you. But Kelly Slater. Yeah. John John Florence. Yeah. Um, Greg Long. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Jamie Mitchell, maybe. Who's the other one? Ross Clark Jones. Oh, Ross is invited again. Holy cow. Yeah. How old is he? He might be the oldest guy, huh? Let me look it up. I bet he's 58 years old. Let's see. That's a good guess. Um, 56. Yeah. He was born in 1966. I forget about Ross. I mean, I know in Australia, he's on reality TV and stuff like that. So he's front and present, but uh, I forget about him. Well, you and I have spoken about this before, but I'll bring it up. You know, the very first Eddie 
um, was won by a guy from Haleiwa, Haleiwa local. I'm not sure if he's even with us anymore, but it was 1984. And it was, his name is Denton Miyamura. And uh, I surfed with Denton out in Haleiwa in the 80s. And he was, uh, like I said, he was a local there. I'm going to read to you, if you don't mind, just a couple of quick paragraphs from Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia Surfing about the um, Quicksilver Eddie Aikau, the very first one. I would love to hear this. So this was written by Bernie Baker for Surfer Magazine. And it, it says, uh, Denton Miyamura finally showed the world what's been building up inside of him these past couple of years with a decisive and consistent attack and win at the first major meet after the official pro season in Hawaii. The surf was ragged and irregular for the morning heats, which didn't get underway until 9 a.m., and then started to drop steadily in size and continued to shift from the point to the middle right up through the finals. The roughest part was finding a ride long enough to make up for the flat shoulders, so a lot of waves were milked right up to the inside break at Val's Reef, and many contestants didn't even try to get all the way back out when there were five minutes or less remaining in their heat. One of the great things about the event was a substantial swell after days of waiting out small, sloppy waves. Denton took home a fat bonus of $5,000 for his victory, besides the prestige of winning his first big event. Marvin Foster got $2,000 for finishing second, and Hans Hedeman pulling a grand for third. And Michael Hoderico and Kawhi's Byron Wong coming in fourth, fifth, and sixth, respectively. All the up-and-coming Hawaiian pros were invited, along with an impressive field of top international surfers still in Hawaii. Fascinating. I'm uh, inclined to track down Denton Miyamura. You know what? You should. How really cool. How, how good would that be for a podcast? It'd be great. Now, obviously, as you listen to what I said, David, you realize that they held this event at Sunset Beach and um, not at Waimea Bay. <clears throat> and again, this was the first Quicksilver. And, and, you know, what's interesting is that Bernie doesn't even really bring up Eddie in his in his um, pair, you know, the two little quick contest results that he wrote um, for Surfer Magazine. But um, let me see if there's some more insight on this. maybe maybe Warshaw just pulled two paragraphs and that wasn't the full article. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. Um, so in addition, I mentioned that the events run 10 times. I'm going to go ahead and run down the list of winners. Yeah. For listeners. So Dent Miyamura won that first event. It actually ran the very next year at uh, which Clyde Ical won and then Keone Downing won in 1990 noah johnson won in 1999 so it went nine years without running then yeah. ross clark jones in 2001 kelly slater in 2002 at the age of 29 bruce irons in 2004 at the age of 25 greg long 2009 at the age of 25 and then john john florence won it the last time it ran which was february 2016 and he was 23 years old at that time well, what sticks out to me from what you just said was, you know, we mentioned past champions that are in this event. And unfortunately, Bruce Irons wasn't invited to this event. And he seems like 
I mean, Bruce is probably, I don't know how old he is. I bet he's like 44. Um, that's a that's a missing element to the event. I would love to see Bruce Irons in this event and just maybe he's just not up to it. I don't I don't know anything about what and where Bruce Irons is in his life. But I mean, talk about an exciting Eddie Icao when when Bruce and Andy and all those guys and you know, the the sort of the classic thing, and I'll just reiterate it about that event was Bruce Irons won the Eddie by going left. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I can't speak from, I don't know Bruce at all, but I think that, yeah, he's not at a place in his life where he's ready to surf the Eddie is what it seems. Um, I follow him on Instagram and he's real occasional. He'll post very occasionally. And it's always the behind the scenes of some party where he's, uh, doesn't look like he's fully lucid and it doesn't look like he's really surfing at all. And he's been invited to a couple of events over the last, I'd say, well, since we've been recording this podcast, when we first started recording 10 years ago, he was a fairly regular still, and he just kind of slowly dropped off. And I remember even having these conversations with you, which is like, oh, Bruce got an invite to the Pipe Masters or whatever the event is. How do you think he'll fare? And, uh, you know, it was not, he'd be not catching a wave or he might be getting a two at some point. And so... I was always thrilled to see his name involved because he was such an influential surfer when I was coming up. And so it was kind of sad to see him drop off and surf less and less and less. But um, I think that's the reason why he's not involved is he's not likely to win the event and he's probably not likely to perform at his love at the level that we're used to seeing from him. And let's get real. It's highly dangerous. This is a life or death situation. You do not want to invite somebody unless they're fully, fully prepared to take it on. Yeah, some um, there's one of the most classic moments for me was that the Eddie, the only Eddie I've seen in person was the one that Bruce won. And man, I remember Flea, Daryl, how do you say his last name? Virtuoski or? Verostko. That's a hard name to say. Verostko. I'm, I'm glad that we just call him Flea. Yeah. Flea just paddled into a beast of a wave free fell pin dropped about 30 feet just straight down feet first in the gnarliest gnarliest part of the bullet like the where you don't want to be you know not out on the shoulder this was straight from the takeoff just one of these arms waving it was crazy and it's a pretty iconic photo it's i actually took yeah there's quite a few photos of it and you know what's interesting too regarding the history of the Eddie Icao is, and I'm just reading it here on Matt's website, is the one that where Clyde Icao won. It was actually a tie between Mark Fu and Clyde Icao. I didn't know that. Draw. And of course, they went to a tiebreaker, and Icao won on a tiebreaker with, you know, obviously a higher score on a third wave or whatever it was. Ken Bradshaw finished third in that event. And Interestingly, Clyde rode a 10-year-old board that had belonged to his brother, Eddie, in that event. So he won it on one of Eddie's boards. Fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, back so more on Flea. Rumor was he was on drugs during that event, right? I think he says as much. Yeah, he was on crystal meth for that event. Yeah. The good news is, uh, happy ending, Flea runs a rehab facility in Santa Cruz now, and he's doing great. It's called Flea Hab, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
And just a side note that you probably aren't even aware of is there, I heard they're making a movie that he's involved in, like an actual Hollywood movie that is loosely yeah. based on his story. And uh, he's actively involved in the production of that. And uh, so that's pretty exciting. Pretty cool turn of events. Yeah, for him. I did hear that. I did hear that. That's cool. Um, another thing that's really, I find really cool about this event is you see the boards, the equipment these guys are riding, the surfboards they're riding, and there's numerous boards being ridden by guys who've passed away. Like, for instance, Dick Brewer is going to be represented out there. Oh, yeah. You know? um, who's the other big one that there's a few others, you know? Oh, like Ben Ipa. Ben yep. Ipa, will, there will be Ben Ipa guns, you know? And these guys break out these trusty, tried and true surfboards from that are eight, 10, 15 years old that are just like the designs are the designs like a brewer. In fact, Bruce Irons won it on a brewer that he borrowed from somebody that was from, you know, like 1992 or something. You know what I mean? Like for what needs to get accomplished out there at Waimea Bay, the board design hasn't changed too much. We need volume. We need some nose rocker, but I don't, you know, I'm not a shaper, so I'm not going to try to pontificate on the perfect design, but I think it's really cool that Ben Ipa, Dick Brewer, perhaps George Downing is represented with the surfboard out there, you know, um, it speaks to the legend and the coolness of this event and to those shapers. And I think that's kind of a neat thing too. Totally agree. Um, the other thing is those boards are built bulletproof. There's, you know, thick lamination and you also don't get to ride them very often. So, you know, maybe you're riding them once every two or three years. So they do become heirlooms that you can pass down essentially. Yeah. Uh, but man, oh man, I would not want to put my trust in a new shaper. If I was going to be serving out there, it'd be brewer or nothing essentially is what I would want to ride. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, so super exciting, thrilled to watch this event and um, yeah. Can't say enough congratulations for the iCow family for pulling this off. We should probably run down a little bit of the list of invitees. Yeah. Um, what is it? Maybe about 35 so or so people. There's a couple of names on there that I'm not familiar with, actually. But uh, Aaron Gold catapulted into our awareness, I'd say, eight years ago with that insane wave that he got at Jaws. Yeah. Andrea Muller, Billy Kemper, Eli Olson, Emily Erickson who's putting in tons of time um, out at Jaws. I think she wrote about Emily. If people don't know, David, and I know you know, but Emily is the daughter of Big Wave Wine Master for Roger Erickson. I believe he's the daughter. I believe she's the daughter, but she's related to Roger Erickson. And I do believe that that's Roger's daughter. And he was a legendary Big Wave Wine Master Sunset Beach guy. Yeah, perfect. Um, Ezekiel Lau, interestingly, I don't really think of him as being a big wave guy, but apparently he puts his time in. Um, Grant Baker, Greg Long, Ian Walsh, great to see. Jake Mackey, I don't know who Jake is. Jamie O'Brien, Jamie Mitchell, of course. John John Florence, former winner. Josh Moniz, Justine DuPont, Kai Lenny, interesting. Kiala Kenley, um, Ialii. Uh, Mamala, Mamala, Kelly, Mamala. Yeah, I know. Kelly, okay, Kelly Slater, Koa Rothman, Cole Christensen, Landon McNamara, Louis Chianka, Luke Shepardson, Makani uh, Adric, 
Makua Kai Rothman, Mark Healy, Mason Ho, Michael Ho, might rad. be the oldest actually. Yeah, Michael sixty five. That's rad. So yeah, he's uh nine years older, I guess, than Ross Clark Jones. Nathan Florence, Nathan Fletcher, Nick Von Rupp, Paige Alms, Peter Mel in the 50-year-old club. Ramon Navarro might be in the 50-year-old club as well. Ross Clark wow. Jones, Shane Dorian, epic to see. Taoe Shipman, Tika Nui Smith, and Tyler Laurent. Yeah, there are quite a few names on there that I just simply don't know. And that's kind of cool because you know that there are chargers that put in their time there and they're probably obviously well-known in the lineup at Wyoming Bay. And, uh, it, you know, be kind of cool. I, I love the idea of one of these guys that has put in their time. That's a known entity in the water out there taking the win. You know, like that's kind of exciting. Like for us to be able to watch a guy that we don't even have a clue and he's dominating because he just knows the spot and, he, and he's got the cojones and he's ready to charge, you know? Well, when I'm looking back at the event, the thing I think about is the, the showman. Like the Bruce Irons going into the shore break showman moment, you know, Mason Ho always putting in a little bit of flair of like looking back, looking down at his feet, actually, like Michael, you know, little elements like that. So that's kind of what I want to see. I mean, everybody, of course, I think will charge, but I want to see those moments. That's what stands out. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be fun to see. Now, if you're watching the event, we hope you do. Be patient. You know, there's, there could be some lulls. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long day of viewing. You know what I'm saying? Perfect. Clear the calendar. Exactly. More of it, please. Uh, well, interestingly, the Dehuli Backdoor Shootout is also in the waiting period. It opened up on the 6th and it ends on the 16th. So we only have six more days. But this incoming swell, I mean, the swell for tomorrow is probably too big for Pipeline, you know, so there's a lot of people on that invitee list who are also in the Dehui backdoor shootout, but they probably won't run on the same day. So maybe the following day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we might get opportunities for the Dehui backdoor shootout, yeah, but that's also good. an exciting event. Yes, no, absolutely. And it should be really good Thursday, Friday, the wind switch, they go southeasterly. It's going to be good trades. And I've been watching backdoor pipe all morning and it's absolutely mental firing. Really good. Um, Why aren't they running today then? Wind's starting to feather maybe a little bit. Um, you know what? Real quick. Can I please make a retraction? I need to. Chris Morrow contacted me, my oh, good yeah. friend. and He dressed me down pretty good, which I deserve. So I need and want to make a retraction from last week's show for the record. Chris Morrow did not work at Surfer Magazine during the Zach Weisberg situation that we discussed last time. I misspoke. Chris Morrow wasn't in the building. A completely new regime had taken over. Chris was working somewhere else. And it was the new regime that made the mistake of pandering to the advertisers instead of backing their online editor, Zach Weisberg. So Chris I'm sorry, I got my facts and information all screwed up. And Chris is a good friend of mine and a good guy. He would never make such a terrible uh, call. Yeah, there's no question about Chris's uh, ethics and decision-making and all that sort of stuff. And when you mentioned that last week, I didn't even, you did mention Chris working there, but it didn't come off to me like you were in any way pointing the finger of blame at Chris. Um, so I think he's cool. I think listeners know he's cool. I think he's good. Yeah, yeah. But, but understandable retraction as well. Um, 
So do we back to a shootout real quick? Yeah. Compared to the Eddie website, they've got some work to do over at the Hui. <laughs> um, it is not very informative. We have no idea. I think when I clicked on the shootout link, it took me to 2020. So they didn't even update it last year. Um, and so the only information I could find this year about the event is are the teams, but not even the surfers who are on those teams. So in terms of the teams that will be competing at the shootout are Dehui Japan, Dehui Wax is a separate team, Quicksilver has a team, Volcom is a team, the New Earth Project has a team, which is that project that Peter King is working on. Uh, so I don't know who the surfers are. Snapped Five, who I mentioned last week, brought Clay Marzo onto the team. They'll be competing. Tubos Surf School Peru came up with a team, which is interesting. Second time Peru's come up in conversation in today's show. Um, and then Pipeline Hamas with a Z at the end as a team. So I'm curious who's on that. <laughs> but this is all, the reason I bring it up is because this is classic backdoor shootout. Pipeline Hamas competing against Tubo Surf School Peru. I remember Peruvians being in it last time they ran it. I guess it was last year, maybe. There was, yeah, there, there was a Peruvian team. Yeah, there's a couple. A couple phenomenal. Of course, you, I'm, watching back, I'm watching backdoor pipe right now, and I'm watching guys get absolutely cake shacked, like mentally just deep frothing long backdoor and then spit out and then the opportunity for the big roundy. Uh, so is it crowded? We'll look forward to, right? we got the backdoor shootout coming up. Is I got it crowded out there. Like the, uh, the hard 75, the gallon of water going through me. Okay. Go for it. You know what? You and I love new surfboards and guess what that means? We get to put different fins into our new boards and I've got a, wonderful and robust set of NVS fins in my fin drawer and I get to go and play with them and I've been playing with them actually on my new 58 um seaside thing that I got from Firewire where I'm plugging in different keels I got keel fins from Tim Crozier at Blackbird Surfboard I got keel fins from Rob Machado I've got keel fins from uh Rasta you know so and the NVS they've got They've got every really great fin outline and design, but David, tell the listeners what it is about NVS that makes them so special. They have that really fantastic uh, composite fin. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's the G10 laminate. So it's a carbon fiber laminate. Their Apex series is how they brand it, but it is this G10 composite that is stronger and also allows to be foiled thinner you know, because it's stronger. So that is the key with fins is you want like really thin foils, being able to work with a lesser amount of material to create less drag, less weight, all that sort of stuff. But in the past, when you lay up a bunch of different laminations, of course you get bulkiness in, you want strength as well. So the G10 allows them to go real thin, real finely foiled with all the strength that you need. And by the way, along those lines, I actually haven't gotten new fins from NVS in probably a year and a half, maybe two years. And it's because in the first year or two of our partnership with them, I got 10 sets of fins, maybe more, and none of them have failed since then. It's just like, 
I keep using the fin. I've got all the fins basically I need. Any new boards, I just pull fins out of the old board and put it in the new board and they're bulletproof essentially. So that's why you should use NVS. Perfect. NVS um, fins. What's their website? Surfnvs.com. And I will also say um, Black Speech has been going off for this last run as well. Jamin from NVS, that's where he's been putting in his time. Is that Black's? Good for Jamin. I'm sure he's been charging out there. And uh, that's the other thing that these guys are hardcore surfers, which is crucial. You got to be a hardcore surfer. Come on. And yeah, and put the fins kind of through your own R&D program, in addition to having Taylor Knox on the program and a bunch of other people. But yeah, surfnvs.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, thank you. Welcome back. I drink if so if I drink four of these a day, it's a gallon of water. And it's it interrupts my sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, we may have to take more than one commercial break per show from now on. <laughs> um, how's hard 75 going? Or soft to mediocre 75, I should call it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Fair to midland 75. I think you said medium rare 75. <laughs> I'm coming up with new ones every week. 
dude, I'm working out twice a day and sometimes three times a day. If I surf twice and then I got to do my strength workout, but it's going good. My, the main thing. So I ran into Josh Hansen and I don't know if you know Josh, but he owns Hansen yeah. surfboards. I was at surf expo in Orlando and there's some other stuff I want to talk about regarding that. But Josh has always been a guy I looked up to because Josh used to be kind of like just a little bit chunky. And about, I don't know, eight years ago or so, he went on this full on radical diet workout regime thing where he was working out with, you know, Navy SEALs here in Encinitas. They had like a Navy SEAL workout thing that you could sign up for. And Josh just got absolutely cut, just looked so good. I remember walking into a store one time after it. And I was just like, whoa, like totally different guy, you know? And I ran into him at Surf Expo and he still obviously looks great. He and his wife, Ash. And we were talking and he was like, you know, you got to do the workouts. But Scott, the, the key here is your diet. Like you've got to stay firm on a good diet. And that's really my weakness, right? Like, mm. like my chocolate caramel sea salt things, you know what I mean? So, but I've been sticking to it. I've been sticking to my diet, no dairy, no cheese, no processed foods. Um, and it's been good. I'm, you know, what I'm, I'm in, I think I, I'm probably in day nine or eight or something like that. All right. Good. Only 66 more to go. Um, and, uh, do you feel better is the question? I do. I do feel better. Yeah. I feel better. I feel more, I feel like I can take on the big California swells that have been, that have been hitting us here. Well, that's a major story that we also could have led with today because um, it's historic almost. But before we get to that, I just want to, while you were in the restroom during commercial, yeah, I saw Surfline just posted, the Eddie has been called on for tomorrow. Click our link in bio for a full analysis of the swelling conditions. At Prince Loverboy wrote, are there any spots available for amateur surfers to get in the competition? <laughs> Surfline replied to him and said, are you looking for a Rick Kane moment? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly chimed in, pretty sure the left on the west side of the bay is open for anyone to go surf. Uh, so I thought that was all pretty funny. That is good. Um, I've been, it's almost a storyline, actually. I should have gotten some screenshots, but I've been blown away with all these kind of monumental swells uh swell events surf spots in california that have been going off massive massive surf and there's video clips of them on instagram what i've been amazed by is the comment section and it's a reminder of how many vowels are in the surf space people the in the comments range like it's not all of one tone but it's comments of people like um oh, that guy should have made it. You know, I, I forget who posted this insane wave at Blacks that was just, I mean, 20 feet, fully barreling. Some guy tries to take off on the peak and just gets completely like annihilated. Somebody else tries to take off on a barreling part down the line, gets completely obliterated. And people are like, oh, that guy should have knifed under the hood or whatever they're saying. And it's like, you have no clue what it's like to be out there and if you think you could be out there you're tripping like you're overestimating your abilities you know and then other people who are just like oh you and i should go surf this weekend tagging their friend in the post and it's like no you should not be if you didn't know that this swell was coming you absolutely should not be surfing this weekend at all drive inland you know 
Exactly. Yeah. But it, just tons and tons of commentary that just seems so out of out of place. Yeah. Well, it it has been, um, as you mentioned, historic. You know, it, it, I was talking to a buddy about it. It reminds me, and I hate to to uh, date myself, but I will. It reminds me of '83, the El Nino of '83, because of the westerly. Like when you look at the satellite photos, the low pressures that are spinning with the little tail—that's the atmospheric river—and they're sitting. There's two of them right there, about to approach California. It reminds me of the same satellite image. I just happened to in '83. I clipped from the LA Times the the satellite images of those swells, and I I have an old scrapbook from way back when I was a grown. Wow. And it has that, it still has that photograph in it. I should probably grab it and put it on Instagram. But anyway, it feels very, uh, due to the westerly nature of these swells and the, the storm approach, it feels like 83. And, and all the same things occurred. You know, like we lost like five peers in 83 or something, you know. And, and sadly, the you know, the fatalities that are occurring up in the northern and central California coast are, um, are a reality and um it, you know so it's exciting but it's also the real deal and it's it's pretty hard hitting well just yesterday by the way the swell that we saw a lot of imagery from was from the end of last week we're recording this on tuesday the 10th uh but just yesterday as well they evacuated a lot of santa barbara county um all of Montecito actually was evacuated. They said, we have full police and fire staffing. We also have had manhole covers blow off. So we're cautioning people to please be aware of their surroundings. So pretty, it's torrential, basically rain pour uh, that they're dealing with now, not as much surf, but last week it was surf, just completely bombarding um, coastal homes. Like you said, Capitola Pier actually broke. Rencon, I saw Sean Thompson, post an image of Rencon, freaking looked almost like Waimea. Like it was from the beach, from behind as the rights peeling away from the beach. Uh, it was freaking 20 feet, it looked like, with the surfer on it. You know, totally insane. Blacks, I forgot, by the way, how gnarly Blacks gets. I know, we all know it's gnarly. I forgot how gnarly it gets. Yeah. Blacks is the real deal when it's big like this. It's, you know, you... If you're smart, you're you're riding an eight foot surfboard, and um, the cool thing about it when it's this big is that you can like what I used to do, and I don't surf blacks anymore. But I used to I I had a nine six that I rode down there when it was big, a gun, and um, and you can paddle out at the road and scrape out basically paddle dry hair. Maybe a few times you got a duck dive, but it's like you're duck diving four footers to get out to the 10 to 12 footers and, and pat. And so I would catch a wave and I would literally just come in. There's no way I'm going to paddle through that and walk down to the road and jump back out and just do laps, you know, maybe get four waves in a couple of hours. Um, How's the yeah, current? Current's minor down there, you know? Yeah. You might mistime it and take a little bit of a beating, but you're going to scrape out and, and be laughing, you know? Um, yeah. That's I saw a cool photo of is Jackson Huffman, Bird Huffman's son. I saw Bird posted a great uh, sequence on Instagram of his son absolutely getting a shacking left, you know, a big, you know, 12 foot left where he's just standing in it. It's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, 
so just a little bit from personal experience for listeners out here, um, it's hard. I mean, obviously it's an understatement to say that big waves are hard to surf, but in Orange County specifically, it's a lot of open beach break. There's no points. And so it's hard to even find a spot to surf. You're really looking for somewhere that's sheltered. When you get down to San Diego, there's some points. When you get up to Santa Barbara, there's points. But otherwise, it's too much. There's too much swell. It's unsurfable, actually. Yeah, it's it's kind of a no-go deal for sure in Orange County. You got to go up to LA or down to San Diego, or, or you can get into Orange County and get some waves like while well, we're mentioning one. But I mean, like, so what comes to mind for me is like church. Yeah. You know, like you can go down to church in San Clemente and, and get some of the North Swell <clears throat> or West Swell in this, in this case. So the big news locally was Kelly Slater showed up uh, and surfed. What up until now, by the way, is a secret spot. And I don't know <laughs> when, I don't know when it became totally okay to just put spots on blast. Like, I don't know. I don't agree with it. I agree with you. To me, um, Pasquale's is that like, as soon as they, they took Pasquale's off of the, you know, they opened it up and they mentioned it, it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess it's over. You know, the idea of, you know, making surfers have to work to figure out where to go, you know, totally. And frankly, to this day, there's spots here in San Diego that everyone in the world, everyone that lives here, that's a hardcore surfer knows that these are South wind spots, but on yeah. my surf forecast, I never say the name of the spot. I just go right. South protected areas and you either know, or you don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess the turning point for me is some of the uh, biggest gatekeepers of that spot are no longer gatekeeping it. You know, like a longtime friend of mine, who's the one who actually texted and got Kelly there for this last run. He's the one talking about it on Surfline and naming it and publishing the photos with the name on it. And it's like, well, and he lives right there. And it's like, well, if he doesn't care anymore, then I guess I don't need to protect the name of the spot, you know? Um, well, it's pretty fickle. I mean, you know, it's a fickle situation, right? Yeah. But uh, the the interesting thing, too, about that spot is. <laughs> or we're the, not going to name it, Why would you? Don't need to. But anybody who knew, who's been following this swell story has seen the images of Kelly there. But what this uh, photos from that day did not show is how close it breaks to the shore. It's a shore break wave. And every other time it breaks and you see imagery from it, the photographers actually show the foreground so that you could see exactly how treacherous it is. Otherwise, it just looks like perfect A-frame barrels. But seeing that it is shore break is uh, adds a lot to, I think, the experience. Yeah, I mean, look, it's pretty cool, Kelly. It, it was kind of a cool thing, you know. Um, Kelly, I guess, was in town and and found a little moment in, in North Orange County. Yeah, Kelly was in San Clemente, um, spends a lot of time down there, and I guess it was Stephen Bell's birthday, and so everybody was kind of rallying for that, and it just happened to coincide with the swell. So, yeah, um, look, there was, there was, you know, just to continue with this story a little bit. Obviously, all the big wave spots in um, northern Baja were, were doing it. So there was some there's some great imagery of Jojo Roper at Toto Santos of Jamie Mitchell. Jamie posted a series of photos of their mission down there and all the different things that you have to go through through a border crossing and getting a boat and so forth and so on. 
And um, that looked pretty mean. I mean, it looked pretty meaty. The wave of Jojo is like next level, easily bigger than the wave that Taylor Knox won. I want to say it was like 99 or 2000 when he won the very first big wave award. Uh, back then it was called the um, K2. Yes, thank you. K2, the, the skiing company, the K2 big wave challenge. But Jojo's wave is just enormous, like behind way behind the boil out there there's if you know Toto Santos it's one of these ways when the wave pops up and starts to break there's a little crumbly white water thing that breaks about halfway down the wave face it's just this random rock that makes a little white water crumble boil and Jojo's like that's how you know if it's a huge wave because that thing is like way down at the bottom of the wave you know where they're taking off so anyway, Jojo and all of that crew and a bunch of other guys, I think Gary Linden, God bless his soul, paddled out and surfed some waves. And, and I'm sure there was a, there's a, you know, there's a cadre of dedicated Totos guys who um, I don't really know their names and they don't really want me to say their names. I don't think, but um, you know, the, the waves are pumping, the waves are pumping here today. It's going to be pumping for the remainder of this week in Southern California and Northern California. And um, you know, it's it's a train of west swells that like i say it's like el nino in 83 is it raining right now where you're at yeah we have rain yeah we're we're getting it's full torrential downpour right now where i'm at yeah um rent by the way other talking about spots that lit up that haven't in a long time sand spit was going bonkers almost too big but still incredible to see yeah, another fun wave. Like, what a great wave to go down and just watch. It's so close. I've never the, surfed uh, it. Yeah, I've never been there. I've never surfed I've never, it. I've never. Been yeah, I've been there too. I've never surfed it and um, never even seen it break in person, but looks and one the, of kind of icons. The cool thing about this these West Wells is all the little nooks and crannies in Santa Barbara that normally are half the size as it filters through from a North Swell on a West well, they're getting a direct hit. So there's all these great little nooks and crannies that were all time. And, you know, like campus point, like there's just a bunch of spots that I don't need to name, but everyone knows campus point that that again, got a direct hit rather than a sweeping sort of um, northerly approach to the swell. Totally. Um, Well, what about surf expo? How's that? Oh yeah. So surf expo was great. Um, I really enjoyed it. The one thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, um, Ricky Carroll has a shape off that he does there and uh, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show, which is taking place in October down in Del Mar. We have the Icons of Foam International shape off there. And I've decided to have the winner of that East Coast shape off each and every year get an automatic invite to to the Grand International Icons of Foam shape off, uh, which is presented by U.S. Blanks down at the boardroom show. And so this year, the winner of the East Coast shape off was a guy named Josh Peterson. And by the way, they had to shape probably the most difficult board to replicate, which was the Holmesy Sidewinder. And if you don't know what it is, it's got some crazy like reverse wings that funnel water onto the tail. So the board is a really great nose rider. It was a board built in the early 60s, mid 60s when nose riding was the rage. Josh Peterson won the event and um and he's going to be invited and has been invited uh to the icons of foam tribute to the master shape off where we're honoring Bing copeland this year so we know that josh has got the chops to uh replicate some of bing's 
classic designs and uh, work. I'm I'm psyched. I'm psyched to have a young East Coast shaper who also has roots in Hawaii. I believe he lives in Hawaii now. So um, he's going to come out and be one of the competitors, along with Rick Rock, the defending champion. Awesome. I've met Josh a couple of times, actually at Surf Expo once too. Um, he's awesome. He's building yeah. incredible boards. He came up kind of in the stable of the trim craft thing. So he's gotten lots of kind of uh, experience, you know, numbers under his belt through that project. But he's building incredible boards and super cool, dude. Yeah, we're excited to have him. And Surf Expo in Orlando was a, a really great show, big success. And I'm was glad that? I went. And I look forward to going again next year. What's the vibe on uh, on the street? For everybody, we're coming out of a couple of years of incredible surfboard sales due to COVID. And um, well, now we have swell, but the weather hasn't been great and there hadn't been a ton of swell in California. So I feel like that always slows down business a little bit. But how's everybody feeling out there? Yeah, you know, I think the big story is there was no Quicksilver and no Billabong at the show, which speaks to them basically um, changing their entire business model. The whole Quicksilver Billabong thing. I'm not sure if the deal went through. I believe the deal went through where I think was it is it Blue Alliance or some company, basically a licensing company called Blue something. Blue Star Alliance. Blue Star Alliance bought Quicksilver and Billabong from the Board Riders Group, or did they buy the entire Board Riders Group? I'm not sure how the deal went down, but the bottom line is that Billabong and Quicksilver have been reduced to a licensing to licensing um, deals. So it doesn't mean that there won't be Quicksilver clothing and Billabong clothing and wetsuits. It's just that the light, the guy who owns the license, Blue Blue Alliance, is it again? Yeah. Blue Star. Blue Star, sorry. Blue Star is going to be like, yeah, you want to make Quicksilver clothes? No problem. Pay me a fair. You know, you want Billabong wetsuits? No problem. Pay me a fee. So it's, um, it's changed. And, uh, you know, so be on the lookout for, you know, Billabong toothpaste and so forth and so on. Um, what about board builders representation at the show was did they show up like were there a lot of the big brands there yeah i mean i had a great talk with marcio i really like marcio um from sharp eye yeah and um you know we we had he's got some insights into uh the wsl and um and you know there's this there's sort of a push to to have something called the creator's cup which is sort of um, the same paradigm as they do with <coughs> Formula One, Excuse where me. they have all the builders of the cars and they, um, the builders of the cars are constantly making adjustments and making tweaks to the cars as the races are happening. And, and there's a whole um, ecosphere of, of creativity and design that's happening. And Marcio and some others, I think PT is involved in it. They want to do something similar for the WSL so that the shapers and these boards get uh, a little bit, uh, more highlighted, which of course, me and you being surfboard guys, we love that. And so I'm looking forward to that potentially occurring, um, potentially. Um, and I think Tracks Magazine did does something similar to this. They do an article where they basically determine how many surfboard builders heats were won, you know, by a specific uh, surfboard, you know, shaper. And of course, Sharp Eye and Marcio won it this year. And, 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 by the way, they won it by a large margin. I think in second place was maybe, and I don't quote me on this, but I believe it was Matt Biolas at, at Lost Surfboards. So 
anyway, the idea of a creator's cup where there's shapers and surfboard designers and surfboard builders who are getting the exposure that they deserve through the WSL, I think is something that's on the back burner that we may see um, pop up here shortly. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the idea of it. I just, I'm curious what it would look like. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I don't think it's been fleshed out. I think that the people that are kind of behind it are trying to figure it out. And, um, and I don't know, you know, I'm not sure. Cool. I, I look forward. There could be a day um, with the way technology is, we may, and now this is a long shot. And I know you'll probably scoff, which is okay, but wouldn't it be great? Let me phrase it that way. Wouldn't it be great if a world title, a world champion shaped his own surfboard? And I think that that could happen. I mean, that the reason we were held back from that after the first onslaught of guys like Glenn Winton, Mark Richards, those guys, and Simon Anderson is because the time it took, you know, and now yeah. they're on tour, they're on tour a lot, but, but with the, the CAD machines, you know, the CAD programs, um, it's doable that somebody like even, you know, Kelly comes to mind or John, John, like somebody that's really, and all of these guys are into their designs. Um, they could actually, you know, build a board on the CAD program and spit it out and hand finish it and get it glassed and win an event on one of their boards. I mean, that's not as far fetched as it once was. It's a way different version than it once was um, because, yeah, there would be more of a design. They'd be more designers than they would be in the shaping bay. But the reality is it in order to shape boards that are performing at that level, you need to be an expert at your craft. You need to be spending 10,000 hours in the shaping bay and refining it over the course of decades. And in order to be uh, a world champ surfer, you also need to be doing that in the water. And there's just not enough time to fully execute both. But I think you're right. John John Florence works so tightly with Pizel that there is an, ex- you know, Pizel is an extension of John John to a degree. And John John is an extension of Pizel to a degree. And Kelly might be a certain version of that, although he works with a lot of different shapers. Um, but I think, yeah, the number of t- the number of hours required to be in the shaping bay would be a prohibit prohibit most people from doing it yeah it it would be cool if they if this thing comes to fruition and and again marcio was talking about um you know helping the wsl get to a place where the shaper surfer design team is more highlighted or is highlighted as they do in f1 yeah well um that's all that i've got for this week but uh Hoping to get a break in between the weather up here to get an opportunity to get out in the water and not get sick from all the rainwater. Yeah, look, look Wednesday, Thursday, Friday should have offer plenty of opportunity for swell and for conditions. I don't know about the water quality, but um, it's looking like it's going to be a go here for the next three days. Then the weekend gets weird with some with some weather. Okay, good to know. Yeah, well, look, Eddie Icao. Eddie would go. It's on tomorrow, David. I know you're going to uh, do the good work and the hard work of getting this podcast up to get people fired up for the event. And um, I'll do it today. Until next time, adios and aloha. This time tomorrow.